Welcome to the Brain Soul Success Show, where we learn, explore, and create your powerful positive healing for life. I'm your host, Louise Schwartzwalter. I'm the creator of a five-part mind-body-soul methodology that clears the subconscious blocks to success. From engaging transformational interviews, brain soul success stories, and the secrets shared by brain and spiritual experts, you will reconnect, revitalize, and transform your powerful life. It's time for you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Brain Soul Success Show, and I am here with a very, very special guest today. I'm so delighted to have Dr. Debbie Silver here with us today. Um, Debbie, I just love what you're doing in the world. Um, You are doing such great work with your post-betrayal transformation work, Um, and I would love to just introduce you to everybody here, so I'm going to read your bio because you've written a couple of great books, and you've done some TED Talks, and Um, And then we'll kind of dive in today. Um, So, you know, Dr. Debbie Silver is the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute and is a holistic psychologist, a health, mindset, and personal development expert. She's the author of the number one best-selling book, The Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Life Crisis. And her newest book, oh, this is stellar. Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence, and Happiness. Her recent PhD study on how we experience betrayal made three groundbreaking discoveries that changes how long it takes to heal. How cool is that? We can't wait to hear, Debbie, you share about this today. In addition to being on Fox, CBS, and the Dr. Oz Show, TEDx Twice, and more, She's an award-winning speaker, coach, and author dedicated to helping people move past their betrayals as well as any other blocks preventing them from their great health, their work, their relationships, their confidence, and their happiness and what they want most in life. Um, I just adore you and the work that you're doing in the world. Um, I guess my first question for our our audience today is how did you get into that? How did you start Thank you so much. I I just love chatting with you. Uh, And and thank you for the opportunity. So, you know, I don't think anybody says, "Hmm, I think I want to study betrayal. You know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. So I I had a horrible family betrayal and it was, it's so earth shattering. And and you think you do the work to heal and make some sense and make some meaning out of it. Uh, Apparently there was more work to be done and more learning. So I had another opportunity and it was my husband and anybody who's been through it it's soul crushing. It's devastating. And like anybody else, I was heartbroken and got him out of the house. And I was like, okay, I have to find my way out of this. And, and for me, when I want to understand something, I, I learn. So I was like, okay, what's the biggest thing I can take on to learn? And I was like, maybe what not what many people would do coming off a betrayal, but I enrolled in a PhD program in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential, because I was changing so dramatically. He on his own was too, but I was like, okay, this is, I just need to really understand this. So I dove into this program to really understand how the mind works and why people do these things and how I can heal. And while I was there, I did a study 
and the city was on betrayal. Uh, what holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? And, and honestly, Louise, I was only trying to heal, just trying to help myself. And that study made three groundbreaking discoveries. And I was like, well, you know, you can't keep this stuff to yourself. <laughs> it changed, it changed my health, my entire, you know, business, family, and more. Wow. So it's your own personal experience of, mm -hmm. of having to go through that and, and all the learning that you did. Uh, and so tell us more about, you know, what you found out then about betrayal, you know, what are those emotions? What, well, you know, what impact can it really yeah. create in someone's life? You know, it's so heartbreaking because these are the people we trust the most. These are the people who say, when the world's driving you crazy, when everybody, you know, is untrustworthy or whatever's going on, you're safe with me. I got you. I mean, this is where our sense of safety and security comes from. Mm -hmm. So when these are the very people to shatter that sense of safety and security, what do we, who can we trust? Where do we go? It's terrifying. So it hits us on every level. And so often we can be betrayed and we're like, okay, let me just go see, let's say a therapist, which can be wonderful if the therapist is highly skilled in this, but that's only on the cognitive level. This hits us. And you know, from the work you do, mm -hmm. body, mind, soul, all of it, it all needs to be tended to because it, it, it's such a shock. It's such a shock to the mind and heart. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and really creates a, a total, utter destruction of everything you knew to be real and true. Because we question, of course, we question our betrayer. And then we question ourselves. We're like, I'm a bright person. How did I not see? How did I not know? And it's, we question everything. Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. All those questions, all those internal questions, and you beat yourself up because you think mm -hmm. you did something wrong. So now you've got yeah. the guilt and all that other stuff that that goes with that too. But what mm -hmm. a shock, like you said, shock's probably the biggest thing, right? Shock to the whole mind, body, spirit. Such a shock because you, this this is the person you trusted, whether it is a family member, partner, friend, coworker, a hundred percent. And you know the way it works is we think that that person is, is abiding by the same rules we are. And without our awareness or consent, this person has just completely decided to, to break those spoken or unspoken rules that the relationship has over time. Like, think about it. Every relationship has rules. We had sort of a rule. The rule was I was going to show up. We were going to have a conversation. And if I didn't, I would have betrayed you. Now, <laughs> wouldn't have, right? it wouldn't have broken your heart, but, but it would have been a betrayal nonetheless. And the, really the way it works is the more we trust and the more we depend on that person, the deeper the betrayal. So for example, a child who's totally dependent on their parent, and then that parent does something awful, that's going to have a different impact than, let's say, your best friend telling you a secret. You know, sure. still, right? Sure. Um, still a betrayal, but a different a different impact. A different All impact. needs to be healed, though. Sure. Okay, so let's get into that part. So what are those symptoms then? So how does betrayal show up? What are the symptoms it creates in the mind, body, spirit? What do you see? Yeah, that was one of the discoveries. And, and what that was, was there's this collection of physical, mental, and emotional symptoms so common to betrayal. It's now known as post-betrayal syndrome. And so, you know, we have a quiz on the site to see to what extent someone's struggling. We've had about 13,000 people take it in the last you know, year and a half or so. What's so interesting, and I even pulled some stats to share with you. 
But what's so interesting is we've all heard time heals all wounds. Mm -hmm. And I have the proof that's not true when it comes to betrayal, because there's a question that reads, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 40 years ago. I could still feel the hate. My betrayal happened 30 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust someone again. You know, my betrayal happened 10 years ago. Feels like it happened yesterday. So we know with when it comes to betrayal, this is not just a time thing. We need to face it, feel it, heal it. But I pulled some stats for you. You know, we, we do this every so often just to see where people stand. So this is how profound betrayal is okay so these are just some general ones and i'll get into the physical mental and emotional okay seven 78% constantly revisit their experience just imagine how exhausting that oh my is gosh, that's oh so yeah. <laughs> yeah 81% feel a loss of personal power uh 94% deal with painful triggers right wow. um yeah here are just some crazy here are just some physical ones 71% have low energy, 68% have sleep issues, 63% extreme fatigue, 47% have weight changes, and 45% have digestive issues. And that can be anything from Crohn's, IBS, constipation, diarrhea. And think about it. You know, I found this one so interesting because what does the gut do? Absorbs, digests, and processes food. Yes. Well, isn't a betrayal difficult to absorb, digest, and process? You know what I always say? We either digest life or it digests us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, those are just the physical ones. So here's some mental. Um, 78% are overwhelmed. 70% walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% unable to focus. 64% in shock. 62% unable to concentrate. So let's just take, like, let's say a gut issue. Mm-hmm. And now an inability to concentrate. Like, how are you supposed to you know, raise your kids and go to work and everything else. That's not even the emotional ones, the emotional 88% profound sadness, 83% anger, 82% feel hurt, 80% have anxiety, 79% are stressed. Here's why I wrote the book, Trust Again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% 67 prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. Mm -hmm. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. Oh gosh, that's really telling those stats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, know, do you think though that everyone's had a betrayal? Like, Like if we just talk about it, just like not... You know, not the deeper, and I, mm-hmm. I don't want to quantify that there's a different kind of deeper betrayal than a lesser one or mm-hmm. anything like that. But do you do you think that on some level we've all you know experienced that? I think on some level we have. I mean, think about it. You could be a little kid. Let's say you're a kid and you have some breaking news to share with your mom, and she was making a phone call, right? And and back in the days with the rotary phone, right? Like, <laughs> like, right, like this. And she comes and you come into the room and she's like, shh, because she's making a call. Right then at that very moment, you could have felt like your mom betrayed you. She wasn't there for you. Exactly. And then based on that, you've made meaning out of it. And then you, you know, you find uh, confirming evidence to support that belief. And, and now you keep, that's what you think is okay and that's what you've learned to accept. So it's so common and this is how we see one of the ways we spot a, a, an unhealed re- betrayal is a repeat betrayal. 
because it's just mm-hmm. it just that behavior, that belief mm-hmm. uh, drives us to believe that it's just that's what we know. So comfortable, so familiar. So it could be the sort of death by a thousand cuts kind of thing. It could be those profound betrayals, uh, but it's those other ones, those, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, you know, I I find that a lot, actually. You know, so I clear, you know, the process that I use with brain so balancing, we clear the field, the energy field. And I'll find that there's a pattern of betrayal that started, like you said, as a kid, when mommy didn't pay attention to you because she was on the phone. And then mm-hmm. that betrayal, what I find is that pattern then of betrayal, like you just mentioned, brings in the next one when you're 16 and the next one when you're 30 and the next one when you're 50. Yes. Um, and so I find that it's a pattern. If we clear the pattern, then people can heal. Um, yeah. And sometimes we do have to go back to that initial core issue. Um, I bet you find the same all the time yeah. because it's, you know, it, it's, it's not that it's good. It's just that it's familiar, but, but I do find um, we get to that point where we have like the mother of all betrayals. And that's when we say, Oh my gosh, I will never allow this again. I will never tolerate this again, whatever it is. And that's where, you know what? Lesson learned. And it doesn't, you don't need to keep repeating it again because people say to me all the time, you know, why is it I go from partner to partner to partner or job to job to job or friend to friend to friend and it's the same experience. Is it me? Yes, it is. And it's because there's a big lesson there that needs to be learned. Maybe, maybe you need to learn you are worthy, loving and deserving. You are, uh, you need better boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, there's no reason to keep experiencing that same thing you've you've outgrown it exactly yeah exactly that's awesome so what are those five stages you mentioned that there's five stages from betrayal to breakthrough yeah that was the second stages of course that was the second discovery and this one was so exciting uh because it showed that now there's like a path there's actually this sort of roadmap it's like if we know that there are five stages and we know physically, mentally, and emotionally what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Healing from betrayal has now become predictable, which is thrilling. So here are the five stages. And the first stage was like a setup stage. And I saw this with every study participant, me included. If you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with everybody was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental, and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? looks like we're really good at thinking and doing and not really paying as much attention to the feeling and being. But it's in the feeling and being, that's where our intuition lies. And we turn that down so often. Now that's not to say if you're just busy doing things, it's a setup for betrayal. It's just what I saw with everybody. Stage two, here's where we're shocked, we're blindsided. This is D-Day discovery day. This is the day that someone like sort of takes the mask off saying, no, 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 this is who I've really been all this time. It is a complete and total shock, scariest, by far scariest stage. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind and the worldview. So you've just ignited the stress response. Now you're headed for every single stress related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview is shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. These are the rules. This is how it works. Don't go there. Trust this person. 
you know? And in a moment, it's like everything you knew is no longer. The bottom has bottomed down on you and a new bottom hasn't shown up. So it's terrifying. But here's the thing. What you, if the bottom were to bottom out on you and you were walking down the street, you would grab hold of anything and everything you could to stay safe and stay alive. Mm-hmm. And that's stage three, survival instincts emerge. It is an entirely practical stage. Can you help me? If not, get out of my way. How do, how do I survive this experience? Who can I trust? Where do I go? Who can I, what do I do? But here's the trap. Because stage three feels so much better than the shock and trauma where you just came from, we get to that place when we figured out how to survive and we're like, whoo, okay, I'm good. You're not good. You've just figured out how to survive. But what happens is you think this is as good as it gets. You haven't even gone through stage four and stage five. Most people get stuck right here. And then what happens is we start getting these small self benefits from being here. You get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get your story and a whole lot of sympathy when you tell it to anybody, right? You get to, uh, you don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Do I trust you? Do I trust you? I forget it. I won't trust anybody. And now you're planting some deep roots here. The longer you stay, now your mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not all that great. Maybe this is the best you can hope for. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, like energy attracts like energy. So now you're calling situations and circumstances and people towards you to confirm this is where you belong. It gets one step worse. Don't worry, I'll get you out of it. Because you're <laughs> I am because, in it, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> you're, in, you're in because you're here and it feels so bad, but you don't know there's anything better. Here's where you start using things like food, drugs alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy. Cause you're like, I, I don't know. You've resigned yourself to thinking this is as good as it gets. So now you create, start creating a habit. Now think about it a day, a week, a month, a year, five years, 10 years, habits have been formed. And now if I say to somebody, well, you know what? That emotional eating has to do with a betrayal or that drinking has to do with a betrayal or, you know, and they look and say, Oh my gosh, that happened years ago. But you see, they never moved out of that stage three. So this is the most common place where people get stuck. If if you let go of your story and all the benefits you get, you can move to stage four. This is where transformation begins. And this is is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So this is where you know, I cannot undo this experience, but I can control uh, the meaning I give it the effects it has on me, how I show up. So I always liken this too. If you've ever moved to a house, office, condo, apartment, I know you've you've moved, right? Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily, um, it, you know, it's not cozy just yet, but it's going to be okay. When you're in this stage, you're turning down the stress response. You're not physically healing just yet, but you're not causing the massive damage you were causing in stage two and stage three. But also this is what I found so interesting. If you were to move, You don't take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent that version of you you want to be in this space. And here's he, right? And here's where I saw if your friends weren't there for you, you don't take them with you. You don't. Here's where you change. So Mm -hmm. people say to me all the time, but I had these friends for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You've just outgrown them. Totally normal. Mm -hmm. When you're in this stage, 
You've made it comfortable. You've made it your own. You can move to the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. When you're in this place, now you want to take better care of yourself. You want to exercise. You want to eat well, self-love, self-care. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. You, you're making uh, new rules, new boundaries based on your experience. And you have a new worldview based on all you've been through. And the four legs of that table, in the beginning, it was just the mental and the physical. Now we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. I love this. That makes so much sense. As you're walking through that and you're telling me all this, I mean, I'm looking back on my own health yeah. crisis, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know? Was it a betrayal? Absolutely. Did I go through all those stages? Absolutely. Um, yeah. did I get stuck in that third one for a while? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, so I can totally, I can totally see that and relate. Plus I'm thinking of a lot of clients and people that I uh -huh. work with who also have been through, um, through those stages. Well, and that's it. And, and so many health issues mm -hmm. show up in that stage three and it makes total sense, but we go to, from doctor to doctor, health expert, guru, whoever, to manage these stress-related symptoms, but at the root of it, very often is an unhealed betrayal. Yes. You know. Yes. And if we clear it, so that's why I like to do the clearing work. So if we clear that stuff and we clear it at the brain soul level, we're clearing physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, doing those four legs of the table. Yes. And that way people can can heal and heal faster. And it's called, it's different for everybody. Have you mm -hmm. found that? That's a different healing path, a different, maybe they go through those stages kind of differently. You know, it's, a, it's interesting. It's, it is different. And what I found was what is the biggest differentiator with everybody? It's willingness. Oh, it is right. when they're resistant. Like there are so many people who are like, no, I want to heal, you know, the arms folded. I'm like, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. Cause you have to give up that story and everything that goes with it. So, and, and here's the thing, they have every right to hang on to it. I get it, but they're keeping their healing at bay. And I actually found in the study, there were three groups who did not heal. And, and this is what was going on. The first group refused to, to accept their experience. They just, they just weren't going there. They weren't accepting it. They didn't heal. The second group, this was the group who were numbing and distracting. You know, they'd go to the doctor who put them on anti-anxiety meds or mood stabilizers, or they were drinking. It may have made the day a bit easier to get through, but they, they really didn't heal nearly as well uh, and as much as the, as the others who just said, that's it. I'm just putting my head down and I'm just moving forward. I don't know what's going to show up, but it's got to be better than this. And the third group that didn't heal this, I found so interesting. This was the group where the betrayer had no consequences or very little consequences. So this was the group, whether it was for financial reasons, financial fear, a fear of breaking up a family, religious fear that came up a lot, whatever the reason was, they tried to overlook it, tried to turn the other cheek. Not only did they not heal, that group by far hands down the most physically sick. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, that does make sense. Because, you know, you, you yeah. can't, your broken heart can't handle that. It's not, it's not fair. It's not fair to you. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they had their reasons, mm -hmm. but the body just couldn't handle it. Right, right. No, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I can yeah. think again, I'm thinking of people. <laughs> yeah. That I've, that I've worked with in the past. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. Um, 
there was more that could have been done there. Absolutely. And, and I find that I always want, I hold a high level of expectation for people. And I did that as a special ed teacher too. And so it's like, you know, that when you're working with them, you want that for them, but they have to do the work. And that's the thing. And, and it's so hard because what I find when it comes to betrayal is there's got to be this death and destruction of the old. And that's scary because you have no idea what's going to show up. Uh, but that's the place where you, you truly create a new identity and you have the opportunity then to rebirth something beautiful, whether, you know, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. And that was what I did with my family. It was not an option to rebuild with them. Mm-hmm. Or if the situation lends itself and you're willing and you want to, you rebuild something entirely new as a, as two transformed people. Um, and, and you create a, a new relationship. And my husband and I married each other again, not long ago. Oh, that's really beautiful. That's, that's really <laughs> our kids were at a bridal party, new <laughs> ring, new dress, and the whole thing. Congratulations. Oh, well, I didn't get married again, but I moved. I moved to <laughs> New Mexico from Chicago. You know, flat roofs that leaked, sagebrush all around me, yeah. no herbicides on the lawns because we didn't have any lawns. Um, so uh, it was a whole different world. And we that did, rebirth. We, we recreated, we rebirthed yeah. our family and our world. And I'm so grateful. For that and that's, and I'm sure you saw it. it gave your whole family this opportunity to just grow together. I mean, my, my kids, my four kids, they're so close now. Um, my husband and I, now we've been together since 1984. We're in our best place, you know, together mm-hmm. now. It's just, but, but I see it. People are so afraid of that uh, death and destruction. But, you know, you, you, when you are afraid of that and you're holding on to it, you're, you're also holding on to a tremendous amount of pain and you're holding back this version of you who is waiting to show up, this 2.0 version. Yes. And, and that's the beauty of it. And when the 2.0 version of you shows up and, and, you know, not always the case, but the 2.0 version of the other person shows up, it's a totally different relationship. Yes. And it's really, it's fun. You know, I mean, I know it's work, but um, I just want to put that out there for people who are might be listening, you know, and are going through some of these stages and, you know, want to reach out and work with Debbie on this. Um, the process is the, is the, you know, I think I had a t-shirt years ago that said, um, life's a journey, not a destination. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. And we, we also teach when it's safe and in your best interest to, um, heal and rebuild and when it's safe when it's in your best interest to just heal and move on and and you know like I said in my family situation it, it just wasn't an option and uh, so then you just heal and, and move along and learn all the lessons you can from it uh, and it, you know once you understand what's involved it, you know then it's a whole different thing yes yes oh that's so beautiful I love your story about that you know so how is this though I know that you you differentiate these two things post <laughs> betrayal transformation is different than post-traumatic growth. Yes. Explain the difference for us. 
Yeah. You know, originally when I was going into the study, because you're supposed to find, um, find the holes in the literature, find what hasn't been researched yet. And I was like, okay, you know what? There has not been a study on, on a deep dive lived experience of people who've gone through betrayal and who've, he, you know, who've healed from and, and experienced this place of, tro of, uh, of, post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is like the upside, you know, of any trauma, how that trauma leaves you with a new awareness, perspective, insight that you didn't have beforehand. And it could be any trauma. It could be an illness, death of a loved one, disease, whatever. Mm -hmm. And originally I was studying that, but I had been through loss of a loved one and I had been through disease. And I was like, I don't know, betrayal feels different for me. It just hits you on such a different level. And I, but I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my study participants, and I said, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Hands down, unanimously, they said, oh my gosh, it is so different. Mm -hmm. So it needed its own term. And, that, and that's why it's called post-betrayal transformation. And here's why. When you lose a loved one, let's just say, like I lost my mom, you don't necessarily take it personally. You know, you don't question the love. You don't question all of that betrayal feels so intentional and so we take it so personally and the entire self has to be rebuilt rejection abandonment mm -hmm. confidence worthiness belonging trust these are huge right and they all have to be rebuilt so if i were to come up with an equation it would be post-traumatic growth plus rebuilding the self equals post-betrayal transformation. So in the PBT Institute, what we do is we take someone from post-betrayal syndrome to post-betrayal transformation. To the transformation, absolutely. And that's all what we're working on anyway, if we're on of a self-growth path, is that transformation. Yes. And I used to think that we were gonna reach the top of the success mountain, we called it. So yeah, tell me where that is. <laughs> We would hike up this mountain. It was kind of rocky going up and we'd get to the top and there were aspen leaves all just all falling down. It was golden leaves. There were piles of leaves, you know, four feet high. We're playing in the leaves. We called it Success Mountain. And I always thought that, you know, when I healed, that was during my healing years, I would, I would finally reach the top of that mountain and I would be awesome. It would be fine. Um, and I got to say, yes, I got there, but you don't stop. Never stop. You know, so so yeah. anyone who's on a journey of even healing betrayal, they may get to a great place like you are in your life. We are still on that self-growth journey. We're always on that journey. The more we can learn and grow, you know? Absolutely. And what's so exciting is, and I see this so often in my community, when someone has reached that place of post-betrayal transformation and they're, and they're free, they're, they're really, there's a new identity they've created. That is such a beautiful place. That's where I see new businesses born. That's, I mean, that's actually why we created our certification program because people have gone through it. They can't wait to pass that on to other people. So yeah. that's such a beautiful space because that's when you're like, oh, I did, you know, look what I just did. What else can I do? What's yeah. next? That's a fun, a fun space. It is a fun space. I, I love, I love that. I love that space. Um, you know, what are some of the questions, Debbie, that we can ask ourselves, you know, to see 
if we're actually doing some of this numbing, avoiding, or distracting ourselves. Yeah, and this is, you know, if you if you're in that stage three, it is likely that's you. Some of these things are happening. So uh, I invite everybody to to write this down, and that's my way of saying write this down. So the first question would be, <laughs> am am I numbing and distracting? If so, how? I mean, everybody, right? Seriously, are you, call yourself on it. Do you walk into a room, you walk into the kitchen, you go into the cabinets, you're not the least bit hungry, right? Uh, you walk into a room, you turn on the TV because you are desperately trying to drown out the sound of your own thoughts. Call yourself on it. Number two, second question. What am I pretending not to see, right? Am I pretending not to see that health issue that needs my attention? Am I pretending not to see, I hate my job. Am I pretending not to see there's trouble in my relationship? Call yourself on it. The third question, what's life going to look like in five to 10 years if I do nothing? Play it all the way out. Take that health issue that you're ignoring, play it out five to 10 years. What does that look like? You know, take that job that you hate, go five to 10 years that, you, that you've been hating it. What does that look like? And then take that relationship issue, right? Five to 10 years of doing nothing. What's that going to look like? And then the fourth question, what could life look like in five to 10 years if I changed now? Now, I'm not saying it's easy. Transformation begins when we tell ourselves the truth. Of course. Yeah. We'll set you free. Wow. You, know, you can't change what you're not aware of. So in, in answering those questions, you'll, you'll see. You'll see. And, th and then what you choose to do with it you know, is interesting um, because you can't, you know, you can't un unsee, right? But if you keep ignoring and ignoring and ignoring it, that yeah. voice gets louder and louder and louder. Yes. You either have this, uh, what I call a self-induced life crisis where you're making those drastic changes and bringing it on yourself or it'll happen for you. Very true. Yeah, very true. Yeah, people are going going through this now with mm -hmm. what's going on in the world. Oh yeah, you know absolutely. I sometimes wonder if we're going to have like major PTSD through this. We already have it, and mm -hmm. um, recently, um, just yesterday, I talked to two people that I've not met before, first time mm -hmm. I met them, and their kids are yeah. suffering with these, you know, with anxiety. Now, can we? I don't know. You know, can we call that betrayal? Are they felt betrayed by the fact that they can't go to school? I mean. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I think it's it betrayed by expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, we 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 figure we'll go to school and, and have life the way we've been told it's supposed to be. We've never experienced anything like this. Mm -hmm. So here's here's where you see, you know, you always hear about the, the tree that is flexible bends and the one that's rigid breaks. And it's interesting because there are some people who who have. Uh, who've been having a, a, a hard, really hard time with this. They feel so isolated and so alone and all of these things. And then there's, you know, the group who's looking at it saying, look, personally, I'm more social than ever. I get to just jump on Zoom or FaceTime. I'm connecting more than ever. Um, you only have to steam or iron the front of your shirts. <laughs> you know? So there were, and you know, it's so many people are, are giving themselves the opportunity to do all those things they didn't have an opportunity to do. And other people are really, really struggling. They're facing their demons and, and it could be really hard. So um, it's, it's really, it's interesting to see 
who are you in, in this and and how do you want to show up what do you you know when you talk about this years from now mm -hmm. what will you be saying about who you were during this time during this time yeah that's a great question i like those future questions mm. absolutely it helps you get clear it helps you get clear on things yeah 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 you know, well, how do we know then that we've actually healed from a betrayal? You yeah. took those five stages. I can see the end. You mm -hmm. know, you've done it. I've mm -hmm. done it. But we, yes. how do we know? I mean, like, maybe there's another little piece that still needs to happen. Yeah, this is, this is um, you know, we see it so classically in, in the areas of, let's say, health, work, and relationships. So here's an example. I will see it, again, like I, I mentioned before, if somebody uh, has repeat betrayals, that's an unhealed betrayal. So if you're wondering, what the heck? I keep having the same kind of relationships. Well, that's why. It's a repeat betrayal. That's an unhealed betrayal. Also, there's that person, you know, puts the big wall up. Nope, no one's getting near me again. That's an unhealed betrayal. And, and, and I get why we're doing this because it's terrifying to be hurt again to that extent and to that level. But it's really like, let's say you get burnt on the stove and you swear off cooking. You know, that's not fair, right? <laughs> what about all the great stuff you want to make? So do we have to ca uh, carefully and cautiously learn how to approach that stove again? Yes, of course. Same way we need to learn how to trust again. That's why the title of the book is Trust Again. You know, how do we go back and do that again? So we see it in that way. Uh, you know, also in health, we see it where people are just managing all different symptoms that are just classic symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome. Or we see it at work too. And I see this so often where, uh, you know, people want to be a team player, collaborate on a project, uh, be part of a group, but they're terrified. The person they trusted the most proved untrustworthy. So they're so hesitant to trust someone in a work scenario or uh, their confidence was shattered in the betrayal. So let's say they're totally confident and uh, competent to, and they wanna ask for that razor promotion, but their confidence was shattered. So they don't have the confidence to ask and they're bitter and resentful instead. So it truly shows up in every area of life. Yes, and that's why it's so important this work because as I asked earlier, I feel like on some level, everyone's had a betrayal. Even, you know, I don't care if you're five, 16, 65, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are, let's heal all of them, you know, and the younger we can start, of course, the better, uh, you know, and start working, working on that now. Um, so what do we actually need then to move forward? To you know, and to need, trust again, you know, How yeah. we trust again. Trust again. Well, tr you know, I look at trust as a, like a brick wall. You know, how is that brick wall uh, put together brick by brick by brick? Every opportunity that that person had to show that they were trustworthy is like a brick in, a, in the wall, right? Building up this big brick wall. And then something, you know, traumatic happens, a betrayal, whatever, completely shatters that brick wall. What's the only way it can go back up again? Brick by brick by brick. There's no easy fix. It's a monster to put back up again. And, and the truth is you have every right to stare, to stare at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of an interest watching this get put back up again, right? Uh, but if you do, and especially if you, if you are considering that with someone else, you know, you have to be willing to watch that brick wall get put back up again, brick by brick by brick. That person has to be a really good bricklayer. <laughs> so that's, that's that. But you know, there's, I teach a four-step process 
to, to trust again also. And just super briefly, and I have it in the book, Trust Again too. The first step is you have, because betrayal shatters everything, I mean, every, everything. So you have to build the most basic foundation of trust. And I'm talking like, will the sun rise? You're not sure. So you question it and you say, oh, you know what? Sure enough, there it is. Okay. And when you believe that, you know, you choose something that is so basic and so foundational and you can trust in that again, you can move to the second stage of that. And that's trusting in something, your highest self, something other than you, bigger than you. And this is so important because we need to learn to trust our gut, trust our instincts. And, you know, if you look at someone and you get that, like you ever see people where like, their mouth is smiling, but their eyes aren't. And I'm not talking like a weird Botox thing. It's just off. Something's incongruent there. Trust that, right? Or, uh, or if someone like a baby, a baby's laugh, trust that, right? You know, and you, you need to learn to trust in, in something other than you and trust in your gut and trust in your instincts. You know, I think we get that gut feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And then our mind talks us out of it. So we have to learn to trust our gut again. And then once you've established that trust in your gut, so you established in the most basic foundational things in life, I'm talking like, will the sunrise? And then uh, trust in your gut. You trust in your gut, your higher wisdom, highest self, whatever you wanna say. You can move to the third stage and that's trusting yourself. And by doing that, you give yourself little tasks. I'm gonna drink that glass of water, then you do. I'm gonna go to sleep a little bit earlier than you do. I'm not gonna call my ex and then you don't. Whatever it is for you. And now you're trusting your word. And just with these three stages in place, it kind of feel like you have these invisible bodyguards directing you. You know, your word means something. If you say you're gonna do something, you mean it. You can trust your gut, you can count on it. And you trust in the foundational aspects of life. And then only from that space, when you've mastered that, now you can cautiously and carefully learn to trust in others. Of course, makes so much sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I see the people that I work with becoming highly intuitive mm-hmm. and we get people back to what I call 100% their soul's truth. And as you're talking about trust, you know, I'm, I'm also, I know that what we're doing is helping them trust that intuition and it's trusting that, that, that gut feeling, intuition, whatever you want to call it, it's trusting that that connection to their God, their spirit, exactly. whatever that is for them. Exactly. You know, and actually, you know what, Debbie, I think that's the time we're in right now is, is calling us to do this even more. So the work that you're doing, I know you have an amazing challenge coming up on trusting again is so completely timely, beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful timing because this is the times we're in. Um, and it's not going away just because we turn the calendar. No, no, you're so right. It's, it's really a time to connect and, and really learn how to trust again, because so much of what we were counting on and what we had were expecting has been shattered. And we don't know, we don't know where to, where to go, what to do with that. And it was so interesting too, because even in the study, there was such a move towards spirituality in the healing. And whether this was the spiritual side of of someone's religion or just spirituality in general. And I was wondering, I was like, why did that happen? And I think 
it was for two reasons. We need to feel a sense of, of connection and a sense of groundedness. And when we don't trust in you know, the person who betrayed us and we don't trust in ourselves, we kind of figure, well, like, at least I can trust in God, universe, source, whatever that is for you. So, so common in times like this, where trust is shattered to, to need that, that, that plug-in, like you said, and, and that's where spirituality could be incredibly beneficial for us. Yeah. It's, the, it's, it's, it's just the most important thing. You know, mm -hmm. I usually draw, I draw, I draw a line on a piece of paper and I put faith here, fear mm -hmm. here, mm -hmm. um, trust here, worry here. Oh, well. And you can't be in both places, right? You're either trusting or you're still in this other place yeah. of fear or worry or, you know, the negative looping self-talk or whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and so your goal is to be here. That's why your work is so wonderful. And, and uh, I mean, I've worked with you personally. It's, it's brilliant because you just get right to the root of it and correct it, which is so nice because I'm a fixer. It's like, if this is broken, let me just fix it. <laughs> so I, I so appreciate the work you do. Oh, well, thank you. And likewise, I mean, and I'm super excited for your challenge coming up. And you've got to get Debbie's new book, um, the one on trust. That was just stellar. Trust again. Um, and again, it's so timely. Um, I have just a few more questions for you. These are kind of like quick questions. Mm -hmm. it's more mm -hmm. personal, more about kind of you a little bit so we can get to know the Debbie behind her work, right? Mm -hmm. um, so Debbie, tell us a little bit about your, your, your favorite self-care tip. My what favorite to take care of yourself? Uh, you know, it, it starts with a morning routine, meditating, journaling, uh, and connecting every single morning. I feel so off if I don't do it. It affects my whole day. I'm cranky. I'm not my best self if I don't get that in. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. Um, and how about a hobby? What do you like to do when you're not working? You know, I had, we just lost, uh, two dogs and then we got another one. I would have to say, so now we have five, uh, that may be my hobby, right? Because that's a whole lot, <laughs> that's a whole lot of dogs. Personal development and the kids and the dogs. That's my hobby. Those are my hobbies. Hobby, I love it. All those dogs. Your, your, your Christmas picture was gorgeous. Um, <laughs> I was amazed because the dogs were actually looking at the camera. I was like, how did you do that? Yeah, it took about 50 <laughs> tries. It was downright ugly <laughs> before you saw that final one. That was very cool. That was very cool. Um, how about biggest mentors? Who have been some of your biggest mentors? Uh, and this is going to sound so weird i'd have to say it's the people who've hurt me the most mm. uh, nothing teaches you faster i mean i learned what to do more importantly i learned what not to do so absolutely hands down the people who are who've hurt me the most oh that's beautiful wow wow that's beautiful and how can we get how can people get in touch with you or um, I know that you have your book and, and uh, any gift that you want to give, give her. Oh, I'd, I'd love to. I would say absolutely take that post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent you're struggling. And you can just find that at the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been such a great time. I love you. I love your I love work. you. I cannot wait to see you know, what you do here coming up in 2021, getting started with that challenge, helping people trust again, you know, and healing from betrayal. Awesome, Debbie. Thank you so much for being here today. 
Thank you. And thank you for giving people like us a place to share our, our work. And, and I love the work you're doing. Thank you. And so we, we're going to co-create in, in 2021, make it happen. Um, it's awesome. So thanks again. Have, have an awesome day, everybody. Thank you.